Hi, everybody. Welcome to Millwood and Micah Discovering Avatar. My name is Amanda Millwood, and I'm a screenwriter, actor, director, and a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Todd Micah. I'm the author of Tales from Grimguard, an anthology of dark fantasy, as well as the Grimguard role-playing game. And I had never watched Avatar The Last Airbender until now. We've been going through the series episode by episode, um, and we are today at episode 13. Excuse me, not 13, 11. The Great Divide. I my brain is already in episode thirteen because I, I watched four the watch I watched all four of them in a twenty four hour period eleven through fourteen, yeah. And I I might be traumatized, but for it's now we're in eleven. Yes, episode eleven. Uh, so the episode uh episode eleven, The Great Divide, was written by John O'Brien. Um, now it's also directed by Juan Carlo or Giancarlo Volpi, Giancarlo Volpi, John O'Brien and Giancarlo Volpi. Um, and the two of them, unless I'm mistaken, they have teamed up together before on some episodes, this kind of duo, if I'm not wrong about it, they did like the, um, I keep forgetting what the name of his is again with the, the, the warrior women and the village. Uh, the Kyoshi Warriors. Yes, the Kyoshi Warriors. That was that was an episode I believe, which was also a John O'Brien and uh, Giancarlo Volpi. Uh, I I know we've seen their names before, but like we've gone through so many episodes at this point, I can't keep track of who's done. See, I'm, I'm starting to get. I'm starting to remember, and right. also. I also remember, unless I'm not, and if I'm wrong, somebody somebody's going to correct me. Um, but Giancarlo Volpi, I believe, also directed the um, Winter Solstice uh, Part Two, where they go into the the temple, you know, yeah, thing. Temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was an awesome episode. Um, yes. So here we are again. It is uh, animated by DR Movie. And the episode aired May 20th, 2005, which is kind of crazy because here we are in the month of May, you know, recording mm -hmm. these. And I'm looking back being like, these are 17 years old. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. Don't you feel old? I really do because I literally grew up with this show. So I'm like, damn. See, I, I, have, I, I have no connection. This episode came out. That's crazy. You were how old? Uh, and actually, funnily enough, talking about the date, uh, we usually don't really dwell on the date. But um, as I've been doing, because I'm the one that writes the scripts for everybody out there, uh, I write the scripts for the episodes that just kind of give us a general outline. And so as I've been writing the scripts for these past couple episodes, I've noticed that, wow, these episodes do not come or have not been coming out weekly like they usually do now or like all together. Mm -hmm. They are spread out from, I believe, February of 2005 all the way to December of 2005, this first season. Wow. It is, they have a lot of breaks in between episodes. Um, and like some, like for episode 13, I believe there was like a month or two long break before they resumed the show. And I'm just like, it's mm -hmm. interesting. And I'm like, why? But I mean, I'm not mad about it. I love having weekly releases because mm -hmm. like it, it's hype <laughs> instead of just getting it all at once. <laughs> We were building hype for this entire season for basically the entire year of 2005. And I was there. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> How old did you say you were? I was seven years old. Oh so I was word. like the perfect age to be watching this first season, um, which I would say is geared more towards kids. But like, I think that as the show goes along, it definitely gets into family and adult territory. But like mm -hmm. the first season is perfect for, you know, seven to 13 year olds because it's just that perfect sweet spot um 
But uh, yeah, so seven years old, I was watching these episodes. We well, not weekly, but whenever they premiered, because they would always, you know, advertise them very heavily on Nick. Um, and I was there every single day <laughs> that they premiered wow. these episodes. Can we also appreciate this? episode was released in 2005 the day after star wars episode 3 revenge of the sith was released in theaters what no way may 19th was revenge of the sith may 20th 2005 was episode 11 the great divide (laughs) star wars episode 11 the great divide coming coming in 2031 everybody that is so weird yeah that's I don't know why, like, why is that weird that they released a Star Wars movie in May? I'm so used to it being in December at this point. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> You've been poisoned by the sequel. Star- May has always been Star Wars month. I know, but it's just like for the movies, I know that it May is Star Wars month, but like for the movies, I'm just so used to them being in December, you know, last week of December because of the sequel trilogy and all the, you know, Rogue One solo that like, it just... Oh yeah, well, they didn't. Um, well, let me, well, here, let me for since we're already on a giant Star Wars parentheses anyway. <laughs> yeah. Happy, happy actual Star Wars birthday! It was this date in 1977 when Star Wars: A New Hope was released, Woo! and it was the same date in 1983 when Return of the Jedi was released. Oh my God, we love it! <laughs> we love it. <laughs> happy birthday, Star Wars! And in two days, right? Two days is Obi Wan premiere. Um, which I'm still uh, mad. I should have called it Kenobi, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, two more days. Friday, yeah. Two more days. Yeah, Friday. And they're doing a double feature. So I'm like super excited to watch the two episodes back to back, the two first episodes. But anyway, this has been now a that, Now that we have deeply dated when this podcast is being recorded, because you'll probably oh, yeah. be listening to this in the future. <laughs> um, uh, episode 11, The Great Divide, had an IMDb rating of 6.9 out of 10. Yeah, boy, this, in case you couldn't tell by the lovely rating, this is actually considered the worst episode of Avatar by like everybody that's ever well, watched. Well, a lot of, I, it would, it would really be challenged to be the worst episode of Avatar in our book because we have rated pretty, pretty ruthlessly one particular episode that springs to mind. Oh, I know. I don't agree that it's the worst, but it's definitely like bottom of the barrel, like in terms of episodes, which is still better than most TV at the time. But speaking of which, I think this runs right into your fun fact, actually. Oh, yeah, actually, it does. You're absolutely right. So fun facts, everybody. This episode was unpopular with fans due to its insignificant plot and has the lowest rated or is the lowest rated episode of Avatar on IMDb. Additionally, in the third episode of the podcast, Avatar Braving the Elements, which if anybody doesn't know, is actually hosted by Dante Bosco, who plays Prince Zuko, and Janet Varney, who plays Avatar Korra in Legend of Korra. Oh, that's Um, so cool. Yeah, they have their own podcast. It's great. Go check it out. Please have us on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. Come on ours. Um, Yes. But uh, anyway, the creators, Brian Konitzko and Michael Dante DiMartino, admitted that this episode was terrible and that they were not at all happy with it. Terrible? Is that an exact quote? Uh, that's what I that's what I found. I don't have the actual <laughs> quote of them saying, yeah, it's terrible. But, um, but yeah, so it all around, it is just a loathed episode. And 
it's just kind okay. of funny. Okay. That's... So, so, so you guys, you guys don't know. So Amanda and I have a have an outline that she mentioned just recently. What's the, what's with the whole big behind the scenes on our podcast? All of a sudden, we're like talking about what date this is recorded. We're talking about who writes the script for us. That we have a script it's we go really through. Technical. But there's a okay. So the note here after she's done says to go through the episode beat by beat. Well, while you're reading about how scathing reviews the episode gets, I misread this as basically just go and beat down the episode. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, we can do that. <laughs> well, we were gonna do it anyway. But... <laughs> all right, well, so so one thing I'm gonna jump in with. So mm-hmm. I was just rolling along watching this episode, and as soon as they run into the Ganjin Scout and he opened his mouth, I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, that's Scott Menville. He's the voice <laughs> of Robin from Teen Titans. I, I I grew up with that show as a teenager, and I was like, it's him, it's Robin! Robin. Keep talking, don't ever stop! I love his voice. <laughs> Scott, I love you. I love your voice, man. You, uh. Okay, so it's so funny you actually mentioned that, because I... I watched a little bit of Teen Titan, not enough to be able to like pick out his voice. But to me, it always sounded like Jack DeSena who voices Sokka. Like I thought it was just him doing like a different voice, but it was still him. Mm-mm. It sounds like him, but now I'm like, oh, it's not. It's Mr. Robin. <laughs> no, it's Mr. Robin. We're in Mr. Robin's neighborhood. Yeah, no, I, I, I loved Teen Titans. Like it was kind of my like avatar. Where like you know, it starts off as a really kind of kiddie fun show, and then the later episodes and seasons, like any good show, matures with the audience. And man, I right. cried watching Teen Titans before. I loved that show. And uh, yeah, no, so I was super happy to hear his voice. It took me back like 20 years of my life. Like, uh, loved it. it. So yeah, (laughs) so I was really happy, really happy to see him there. Um, The episode is definitely, I made this big note here because it has to be said, there have been a lot of episodes that people are like, oh, it's a filler episode. And we're like, it's not a filler episode. This one's yeah. kind of a filler episode. This is a filler episode. Mm-hmm. The others that people say, oh, you could go, like, no, there's stuff that that's important. But like this, you could completely cut it and nothing would be lost. No character yeah. development, no story development, nothing. It's mm-hmm. just kind of here. Yeah, I, I sat through the time, I even contemplated, I had sort of like this disassociative moment halfway through the boring part of the episode. And I was like, what do you define a filler episode? I was just there getting philosophical to myself to keep myself awake during the episode. And I was just like, I think a filler episode is something that kind of, like you said, you could chop out and it doesn't have any relevance. There's no events from previously in the series referenced exactly that have any tie in. There's no particular change in the characters. And I'm like, I'll be darned if anywhere in the future of the series they're like, oh, don't forget the time we helped the Ganjin through the canyon. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure that'll come into play in episode 22. Oh, Oh, let's not forget that. Yeah, Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And um, yeah, it's, again, I don't think it's the worst episode, but plot-wise and character development-wise, it is 100% filler. It does not need to be here. Um... There's really, there's nothing of substance here. It's just kind of there to fill, you know, an episode because they had a certain amount that they had to make. Um, so, 
Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I mean, it, the story isn't bad. It's just it, it's a weird departure from the show in so much as it's formulaic, and by which I mean, uh, you know, anybody watching any cartoon show of when you were a kid, there are several types of episodes that there's always at least one of them in the series there's the like somebody overhears a conversation and mishears it or misunderstands it and the entire episode is built on their either funny or tragic like misunderstanding of what the other person was saying as they eavesdropped on part of their conversation there's the body swap episode because everyone needs to have that one you know there's the the, there's the like um fake or misunderstood like uh uh what am i trying to say like um diagnosis that they're dying and so mm -hmm. like either everyone else thinks they're dying or they think they're dying like there's little tropes that like there's one of them in every series it's right. so weird for avatar the last airbender to go with the this side has one story and the other side has the same story from a different point of view but neither of them match up and the truth is somewhere in the middle i'm just like which is funny because like i feel like if they had done it a different way it actually would have worked um i think that because they took a more i guess cartoony like funny take on it that it kind of loses any kind of impact that it could have had because you know people we talked about in the last episode i believe um of the podcast where you know people because of this war are very divided and split and like they've got different perceptions of other people like you know Sokka and Katara with the Fire Nation you know and it's justifiable because they're in the middle of a hundred year war but um you know it it would have been interesting to kind of look at okay why do these people not like each other is it all built on a lie or is there some truth in there like but because they take it in a comedic route or down a comedic route it just kind of is like okay it's just a big old joke you know hundreds of years of battling between these two f tribes are undone by a silly little lie like okay <laughs> what are we supposed to learn from this again <laughs> um, yeah now well and the thing is that like the, the episode had a real opportunity to to in the same vein as the show so far to teach some valuable lessons and it does take time you know i i personally really liked the whole you know harsh words don't solve problems and and, and like that it's, it's a good valuable lesson there's a a lesson about um ex excusing your own behavior because you see other people behaving badly or you or you think bad of them so you're like well i don't need to hold myself to a higher standard because look at them you know right there's all kinds of little gold nuggets in it it's just it's just there's no real quality resolution to the whole thing it's got some funny moments i thought that it was i mean i did get a genuine laugh out of the fact that he told him this big story and i was like well that's a cute story but it's kind of dumb like is that really it and then he's like no nah, i just lied i was like well that about that about yeah works. no honestly like as you know, even though I was just saying it would have been probably better if they treated this seriously, I think that the episode is saved by the ending. I think it's hilarious that, like, yeah. this, you know, pacifist monk, this sweet little innocent soft boy that we've known as Aang is just, like, lying out of his ass. Like, well, the best thing like... is he's getting so frustrated with them that by the very end, it's like, you know what, man, I probably would have done the same thing just to get these people right. to just shut up. 
And I'm just kind of amazed that he like thought of that so quickly. Like that's mm-hmm. a pretty like big lie to just come up with on the spot. He just did it flawlessly and they totally bought it. <laughs> just like wow. Truth truth bending. Truth yeah, literally. Bending. <laughs> truth bending. Um yeah, so I, I do actually like the ending. I know some people are like, Aang wouldn't lie. He's not like that. And I'm like, okay, first of all, Aang is not like this infallible, like precious little bean. He's done bad things before. Like the reason that this show happened is because he did a bad thing. He ran, we'll get to that, but Which you know, he ran to, yes. away. So it's the fact that he lies is not a bad thing. He's a kid. Kids no. lie all the time. Like it was, it was in a way almost almost it also kind of uncharacteristic of the show in a way. And I mean not that they're not that th- th- he has the monopoly on this, but like mm-hmm. every single time somebody's like, uh-huh, cool, clever plan. It's usually Sokka. But like the right. Senate wasn't Sokka. He was hiding behind a rock. And then we're just like, and Aang is the one who's like, aha, amazing cool idea how to trap the beasts. I'm like, well, you've been hanging around with Sokka, kid. You picked a couple things oh, up yeah, there no. there. He's absorbing all of his knowledge. <laughs> yeah. So um, so overall, the episode is not super impressive. And, and honestly, there's not a whole lot to talk about for me beyond pretty much that. It is really just a dull episode. <laughs> no Zuko. <laughs> and, you know. Literally. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't want to give it like a... Like, I will give it a low rating, but I don't want to give it, like, the lowest rating. Because, like I said, I don't think it's the worst episode on, like, a lot of people, including the creators. Um, I mean, I gave, I gave that one episode a really scathing low rating to give myself lots of room to play with low ratings. I mean, for myself, I mean, I was, I'll, I'll say it, the episode is probably, like, a five for me. Yeah, Again, I... super passable. It's not terrible, but it's, it, it, it is kind of a yawn fest. Yeah, I, I'd probably give it a 4.5, just... I usually skip it. <laughs> like, Ouch. It's, 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 it's not that it's bad. It's just like it genuinely does not propel the for, the story or the characters forward in any meaningful way. So, yeah. I mean, that's probably not a good thing if I have to skip your episode. But it's yeah. not that it's terrible. It's just, yeah. just kind of there. So, yep. <laughs> that was very fast. <laughs> All right. Notes thrown away. Let's go. Next episode, <laughs> So the other episode, uh, the next one is episode twelve, "The Storm." Dun 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 is written by uh, Aaron Ehas. Yeah, Ehas. Have we run into an episode written by Aaron before? So I think I mentioned to you that you're going to be seeing this name a lot because he is the head writer avatar he is oh. on every single title card <laughs> when when you get to the credits you'll see head writer aaron ehaz um so he's the one that worked closest with brian and uh, michael and so he he's like the main guy and he does a lot of episodes in season two and three um oh, he just okay. kind of oversaw season one but he still was the head writer so yes and this is why this is kind of a taste of what's to come with his writing because He's so good. He's one of my personal favorite of the Avatar writers. Well, this really explains then a lot about the direction the episode takes because in kind of the polar opposite of the last episode, what, whatever it was called of episode 11, um, because my note is on the floor. My notes are on the floor yeah. now. Um, this, is, this is a direct jump with both feet right into the core of the storyline this isn't like oh yeah the the events are kind of relevant they tie in no they literally cut all the fat off of it all go straight to the bone of who these characters are and right 
to right down to the basics. Who are these characters and what are they about? Let's get right down to the foundations. Really, oh yeah, ama amazing, really amazing. Uh, is directed by Lauren McMullen. Yep. And animated by JM Animation. The animation of this episode is back at it again. <laughs> yeah, is it, we, we are we are right back to the top tier here. I love it. The good animation just it's you know yeah. it helps so much. It's just it's really, it really good. Does. It's really good. Um, the episode aired June third of two thousand and five. And the IMDb rating of The Storm is a solid 9 out of 10. So we go from 6.9 out of 10 with The Great Divide to a 9 out of 10. One of the top rated episodes of Avatar. Like, that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, take us away with some fun facts. All right. So... For our first fun fact, the air nomads have many parallels to real-world Buddhist monks, including the way in which they discover the re blech, their reincarnated leader. So basically, they hide artifacts from past lives among mundane items and observe whether the avatar correctly chooses the artifacts. Um, and that's based off of one of the tests used to discover the reincarnated Dalai Lama. Interesting. Yeah, which I, I actually did know about that when I was watching the show somehow. I don't know how I knew that, but I just thought that was really fascinating. And I kind of saw those parallels. I was like, oh, that's similar to like that other real guy, like how they pick him. Mm -hmm. um, because yeah, the the four toys that he chooses, that Aang chooses, um, they are from each of the different nations. Mm -hmm. So that's how they know that, okay, this kid is the avatar and that's the test that they use. Um, so it's very fascinating, just kind of tie into real history. Um, this is the first time we've seen lightning redirection being performed, and it will okay. not be the last. <laughs> Which is awesome. I literally wrote down, and when I saw that moment, I paused it, and I was like, okay, lightning bending was epic. <laughs> and that's not even lightning bending, that's just redirection. So no, we'll light. see for lightning as season two and three come about. It's not um, as cool as cabbage bending, though, but it was pretty rad. Every time. Uh, take a shot every time Todd references Cabbage Man. Um, <laughs> and so uh, number three is The Storm is Michael Dante DiMartino's third favorite episode because of how the story goes deep into both Aang and Zuko's pasts. Totally makes sense. Like, it is mm -hmm. a favorite amongst a lot of the fans, and the creators obviously love this episode. Um, um going and, back to our, our first our first episode of this podcast you now we spent a lot of time going over how um a really good story is character motivated you can build okay. do all the world building you want to but speaking as an author like you can agonize over names and places and descriptions and how grand and amazing your story is but if it doesn't have that human element that human connection that keeps you tied into the story where it's relevant to you as a person and and to emotional experiences and bonds broken and bonds made the things that make us human you don't really have a story it's not going to draw oh, no. people in and that's why this episode has such a high rating. Exactly. Um, and then our final fun fact is that Prince Zuko's younger sister, Princess Azula, makes a cameo appearance in this episode. She can be seen next to Iroh smiling sadistically as Ozai burns Zuko. I don't know if I, you know. I, I, I did notice that there was a girl there and I was like, geez, she's having that? fun. Oh, yeah. No, you, you're not ready for Princess Azula. Let me tell you, you are going to be like, what the fuck this girl is crazy. <laughs> yeah i'm so excited um 
So that's it for our fun facts. So, I mean, I think we can already kind of gauge what your thoughts are on this episode, but like, tell us, what, what do you think? Man, <laughs> the, the episode, the, the, so, so this is the part where it started to take me on this emotional roller coaster that is episodes 12 and as we'll cover in our next podcast, episode 13 and 14. But, like, it, it really, first of all, was a jarring jump back into the serious storytelling. I mean, we open with a nightmare that, 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 you know, Aang is having. And, right. and in that way, it's really just, it hits heavily to see the Avatar, to see Aang, this 12-year-old kid, burdened so much with this. You know, oh, yeah. there's this, there's this real duality to his character of him being this, this really fun you know, carefree kid chasing the next cool animal to ride or the next great, like, like the world is a carnival and he's just right. running from ride to ride with, with tickets in his hands, going to go experience every fun, cool thing. And um, I fully uphold that Aang is probably a Gemini for that reason. <laughs> is a Gemini an air sign? I don't it know. is, it is. It yes. is. Okay. <laughs> yes, he totally is. Gemini. But like, oh. I, I am. My birthday just went by two days ago. I'm a Gemini. Oh, I knew that. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just didn't know when Gemini, like when, because I didn't. I knew that you were an air sign, but I thought you were like an Aquarius or something. But that wouldn't make sense because Aquarius is in January, I believe, which is my dad's birth. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know a lot about astrology, but yes, Aang's the Gemini. Well, 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 kind of a, a, on that note, you know, one of the things about about the Gemini uh, sign is that, you know, people talk about, oh, they have these two sides to them. So like one of them is like the good genuine side and they have this dark side. It's like, well, no, it's just that we uh, we, we switch between two really big extremes we're either really happy and really energetic or really carefree and like the dopamine is flowing through our brains mm -hmm. or all of we just kind of crash and we're mm -hmm. really moody and the world is really hard to deal with and we're really angst filled and like okay. you know emotional and and the, they can be really jarring the difference between the two and this is why in my brain i'm just like man relatable dude like angus having one of those days where like reality kind of hits him and he remembers the pains of the past and he's just bummed out for like the whole episode man Right. it's hard it's hard to watch you know i've talked about before that it's hard and 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 hats off to the voice actor for ang who like i i don't know the name of the actor yeah zachary tyler eisen he's fantastic yeah like the emotion he puts just like the really i mean ang's voice is so good it's just so good it's so clear and his emotions are so obvious but they're usually this bright happy hopeful you know don't worry we can solve this problem harsh words you know don't solve anything but to hear that weight of emotion and regret and guilt and 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 insecurity in his voice it's just it's it's heavy man it hits hard and yeah, i mean and i don't want to i don't want to flip back and forth like the episode did between zuko <laughs> and ang but like i want to stick on the topic of ang first for a while it's just it's heavy stuff yeah, no, I I totally agree. And uh, just a little fun fact for anybody, and you included, that may not know, but Zachary Tyler Eisen actually also voiced another childhood character from Nickelodeon. He voiced Pablo in the Backyardigans. Fun fact. I'm oh, really? Pablo. <laughs> yes. I don't know if 
to the backyard. I, again. I, know, I, I know the character. I know the character. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, the, little penguin, the blue penguin. Yeah, he voiced him too. Um, and I believe at the time of season one, he actually was Aang's age. He was like 12, 13, something mm -hmm. like that. So it's like as authentic of like a performance as you can get, you know? That's right. something I really don't like in animation that's done way more than it should be when it's when it's a kid character and they're voiced by an adult. I really don't like that. It only works in like a handful of scenarios, but mm -hmm. like the fact that they got an actual age appropriate kid to voice Aang and Sokka and Katara and, you know, all of them, it just makes it feel so much more authentic. And then we see them grow both as voice actors and as characters, obviously. Um, and you even see things like, you know, the voice changes because they're going through puberty throughout this show. And it's like, it reflects in the characters and, it's just so cool to watch, especially if you're binge watching like we are, you know, how fast they grow in the series. And um, so, yeah, I just I utterly love them. All the voice actors do such a good job, like hats off yeah. to all of them. Fantastic. Yeah, it's super impressive, especially him because because I didn't know he was that age. I mean, I suspected that he was on the young side, but I'm like, yeah. you know, a lot of actors, like you're saying, can make themselves sound young or they just, mm -hmm. you know, um i mean they're voice actors for a reason they don't all just sound the same all the time um <clears throat> but i didn't realize he was he was that age i suspected it but to have that range of emotion in it like you know i mean everybody responsible from him to the you know voice directors and coaches and everything on the show like the voice acting has always been top notch on the show i i really enjoy it and it's yeah definitely definitely was was up there um the whole the whole background of him being separated from this this father figure that he mm -hmm. had um <clears throat> this uh this this mentor of his um was painful painful to watch because you know i mean it really was um especially with uh especially where they discuss it but like he goes to his room and is like i'm not gonna let them do this he's got an idea or he's gonna reassure him or something and angus just gone yep like it like it could have been avoided if he had stayed maybe the guy was like you know either he was gonna overrule it and get around it somehow or maybe on the extreme side maybe he was gonna take ang and the two of them were gonna leave the monastery but right. like it, this trip wasn't necessary it was so uh yeah, no, and I think that's one of the biggest, like, burdens that Aang has as a character is, like, he's just constantly guilt-ridden of what if I had stayed? What if, you know, I could have stopped the Fire Nation from killing my people? Like, I could have saved Monkey Atso. Like, there's just so much what if because of that one decision that he made to leave when he found out that he was going to be taken away and trained. Um, and, like... And that's so hard because he's 12 years old. Like any yeah. 12 year old would react that kind of like, maybe not run away, but you know what I mean? Like they react yeah. so viscerally to such bad news and without thinking of the consequences or how it affects the others. And, you know, and it's just, it's so heartbreaking. And I, when I saw this, cause like I said, I, I was watching this when it aired and it just really like, changed Aang as a character for me because like I said up to this point we've gotten glimpses of like oh like what could have happened how did he end up in the iceberg like he seems so carefree and happy and then like this bomb is just dropped on us and we're just mm -hmm. like oh 
wow, this kid is like burdened with the death of the, not just death, but the literal genocide of his people because of a single that he made. Like that's, that's, that's rough, buddy. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. And but yeah. You know, it, 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 the, the mentor character whose name keeps escaping me, is that the one that when he returned back to the temple, he found, see, that's what yep. I thought. And it didn't hit me until afterward when they were like the fire nation, you know, came and attacked and you would have just been killed if you were there too, you know? Yep. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> like lots for words. Yeah. It's really heavy. And like that paired with Zuko's story, like, and we'll get to Zuko, but yeah, it's, it's so, so sad. And just like, well, on top of it too, like you see the very first thing is that he doesn't get to play with his playmates anymore, which is like oh, yeah. agonizing. Oh yeah. Agonizing. And then you wonder why he just wants to play and be a kid, you know? Oh, I know. And that part always, like, even as a kid that pissed me off because like, I felt like, cause you know, I was that age. I was like, if they didn't allow me to play with my friends because I suddenly like was important or something, like I would be so upset. Like not, it, it's, oh, it really upsets me. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, he just wants to play. Yeah. Um, so just since we're on that scene, um, this is just a little fun fact for you. So Aang, I don't know if you noticed, but the other airbending kids did not have airbending tattoos. Yes, I did notice um, that. Yeah, so Aang is technically considered a prodigy and a master. Like, the masters are the ones that have the tattoos all throughout their body. That's kind of a symbol of their masterhood. Um, and so the way that you get to that point is that you have to master, I think it's like 32, something like that, uh, forms of airbending. Or you have to create your own kind of airbending style. Yes, you did. And that's how Aang got his tattoos, by creating the air cycle that he makes. Mm -hmm. Um, so he created a whole new move that had never been done before. And that's how he got to be, you know, master level. Um, so that's just a little fun fact for you. And for anybody that did not know that, that's why he has the arrows and the other kids did not because he is a prodigy. Uh, it, the, the prodigy Aang develops one special technique and he gains the rank of master. Anakin Skywalker fights a war for three years and still can't get the rank of master. No wonder he went to the dark side. <laughs> right? <laughs> everything, everything was fine until the Sith Nation attacked. Literally. Never <laughs> hits attacked. I can't remember Every, which Anakin was on. You know what? You know what the sequ the, you know what the prequels really were? Everything was fine in the Galactic Republic until the Galactic Republic attacked. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my. So are we gonna, you're gonna get yeah. into Yeah. I just need to emotionally unhinge myself from the Aang stuff. Oh, okay. man. <laughs> yeah, no. It was really a beautiful piece of storytelling too, the way they did alternate, you know, between between Aang and and uh and Zuko's stories. Um and uh Man, young Azuko was so full of hope and his eyes were so bright with, with you know, that sparkle of, I, I'm going to rule this nation someday. Mm -hmm. And He's so cute. <laughs> he was so happy. He, he's got this, like, Simba, I can't wait to be king, like, vibe. Really? He's, just, he's just so happy. And then he discovers that board meetings are really bad. 
actually. <laughs> They're board horrible. <laughs> yeah, board meetings are terrible. Yeah, no. Yeah. And he found out what happens when you speak your mind in the corporate world. Literally. And it's crazy to me because, like, what he's speaking out about, like, he's trying to be, like, what he's doing is good. Like, he's saying you cannot sacrifice this new regime or regiment, whatever he called it, um, yeah. soldiers that are untrained as basically live bait. Like, you can't do that. That's terrible. And he's the, totally the, right. the, the line, the line, what better to, to use for bait than fresh meat? Right. I had this like, oh, but at the same time, I was like, ooh, good line. Yeah. It was burn. That was good. Man, he yeah. must have sat up all night before the meeting, like practicing that. He's there in the mirror. He's like, <laughs> what better for bait than fresh meat? No, don't do the finger guns in the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and Iroh even says, like, he was totally right, but it wasn't his place to speak out. And that obviously there were really, really bad consequences for that. Um, and this also is the first time we hear, I, I believe, yeah, I think this is the first time we hear Mark Hamill yes. as Fire Lord Ozai. <laughs> Sounds so creepy. <laughs> he does. Oh, but but so so cool though. I was kind of waiting and I was like, oh yeah, like this is gonna be it. Is he actually gonna say something? And he did, and I was like, Oh yeah, there's my boy, there's Mark Hamill. You will stand and fight. I can't do. I can't do a good Mark Hamill. I was going. I fully expected him to be like, "Come on, Harley, let's show him how it's done." <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I do hear like a tinge of Joker, but I think that's just like his just overall evil voice. He obviously doesn't go all the way. Yeah, with evil it. Mark yeah. Hamill just sounds like Joker. He's full evil mode right. when he's in Joker. So of course we're gonna pick it up. But it's yeah, yeah. It, it's it's great to hear. But my gosh, like oh, and then and the Zuko, his heart is so soft back then, and he's just like apologizing to his father, which we know today Zuko wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, he his poor heart had been hardened by this experience, and like the what gets me, well, I mean, obviously the entire scene of him, you know, just literally kneeling at his father's feet, tears in his eyes, like begging him to like spare him and like that he only wants what's best for the fire nation. And like, it's just, Oh my God. And then the thing that I get chills every time I hear it when we don't see it, because God, if we did, I don't think I could handle it. But you know, when Zuko's getting burned and Iroh has to look away and Azul is there um, just smiling evilly and we hear Zuko scream and it just kind of echoes and it's just such a raw scream. Like it mm -hmm. truly feels or sounds like he is in immense pain, which he is. He just got his fucking face burned. Like, mm -hmm. and not, you know, a minor burn, like a severe scar deforming burn. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, oh my gosh, the, the absolute disrespect. I can't <laughs> believe that I, I was going to say, I said what? Um, that Ozai, there we go. Is a, uh, like that terrible of a father. Like he is just the absolute worst. I hate him. Oh, <laughs> like there's a lot of very deep, complex characters. Pretty much every character in Avatar is very deep and layered and complex. Ozai is just a fucking asshole. There is nothing more yeah, to he's, it. He's he's just the Lord. Emperor Palpatine of the Avatar: The Last Airbender. No, nothing more to his character. Just just evil. 
But I mean, even Ember Palpatine, like, yeah, he is the big baddie of the whole thing that just kind of lurks in the shadows until the end. But even Palpatine, like, had an active role in the story and, like, could be very charming and likable and, like, personable. Ozai is just, like, this monster. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> but, uh, no, and that's a good thing. We're supposed to. Like, he's not yeah. meant to be liked. God, I, yeah. I know there's a fandom for Daddy Ozai. <laughs> I'm just like, y'all need therapy. <laughs> but <laughs> that's a whole uh. discussion. <laughs> but, um, I know it's it's heartbreaking. Um, it really see, is. And there's during uh, Zuko's flashback. Um, it's not it's not a flashback of the event happening or anything, but it's just him sitting in his chambers, kind of meditating. And we get these just quick little flashes of what look like brush paintings mm -hmm. of him. You know, with we don't know who it is, but he's happy. You can hear laughing, and mm -hmm. you know, he's got someone's got their hand on his shoulder, and like he's smiling and it's just, and then it transfers back into real time, mm -hmm. you know, his young unscarred face. And then it shows his scarred face and he's scowling and he's angry. Yeah. And I'm just like, what have you done? <laughs> Look how they massacred my poor boy. Uh, like, yeah, exactly. Really, they killed that innocent boy and like left a shell of a person who is one driving goal is to find the avatar to regain any kind of like, semblance of family or honor that he thinks he's lost and oh my gosh it's it's such good writing <laughs> and it's just such good visual storytelling because there's no words in this part it's just yeah. visual storytelling um and we get everything we un that we need to know about zuko through it and it's just yeah ugh, it's so good <laughs> it's wonderfully done wonderfully done um i was a little a little a couple little footnotes from the episode <laughs> well first of all i was <laughs> I have like beginning and ending of the episode footnotes. Mm -hmm. At the start of the episode, I laughed out loud when Sokka wakes up when Aang has his nightmare and he goes, Do we get captured again? We get captured like four times. I like, I, yeah. Dude, I would expect the same thing too. Oh my God. I love it. I was actually going to mention that line because I. It's just so perfect for him to be the one to say that. He's got like his boomerang ready, like, but he's like half asleep. It's so funny. I love Sokka. Yeah. Oh my God. And then there's that, like, them all going through the storm. And that was, you know, intense. That was intense. Um, I love the way that, like, uh, Aang and Zuko kind of have this, you know, they, this, this crossing paths. Mm -hmm. But he's like, no, they just kept... let him go, you know? Yeah, they just kind of look at each other. Like, there's this this sort of understanding that passes between them with again no words but we kind of get what they're thinking you're like oh wow but like, even then, how could you how could you even put words to what is conveyed you know what i mean oh i know that's what i'm saying it's great that they don't they just they just look at each other and you're just kind of mm. like oh wow something's there like they they've made they've connected the dots <laughs> um and i love when you know this is just this just warms my zuko loving heart but when mm -hmm. they're in the middle of the storm and the captain or helmsman or whatever you know mm -hmm. he's about to fall from the top of the tower on the ship and zuko is like on the case like he is he gets him he holds him so that he doesn't fall and you know he even smiles like i'm like yes zuko yes <laughs> Well, it, dem it demonstrates that depth of care it demonstrates that depth of character because again you don't want a one-dimensional character you you every time you think you know something about zuko 
as a character and you're like, oh yeah, he's got layers to him, you see that he is complex enough a character to be having a bad day and say in front of his crew, in all the all these people's lives don't matter, individual lives don't matter compared to the mission of capturing the Avatar. And then later on, after he's had, you know, a hot bath and a nap, you know, and something to eat, then, like, he saves you because you are important, because you are the only people that he he has and he values Literally. them. The small you know. ragtag crew and his uncle, that's all he's got at this point. Well, um, the best thing is that you, it's after you see that young part of him, in, in, in that, young, that young Zuko, who had nothing but compassion for the loyal and dedicated servants and soldiers fighting for the Fire Nation. And then you see that moment with the helmsman, and it's great because you see that little smile. It's like a that part is still it, in him. It's still yeah. in him. There's that part of him that values each and every soldier of the Fire Nation. They're not expendable. They're not expendable. He makes it sound like 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 they are, because that's right. that part of him which is only one side of his face that's burned, but there's mm -hmm. still that other side that hasn't exactly. been touched by the fire. I love it. Exactly. I love so it. I was, a, I was a little disappointed. Um, I feel like I feel like Aang in this last two episodes stole like the genius moment from Sokka in the last one. And then I'm not gonna lie, when they had that big like build up, like are they gonna crash into the waves? The wave gonna take them out? I was really hoping that Katara was gonna be the one to open the wave in half with her water yeah. bending. And the Aang just does that. I'm like, all right, okay, just do everything. That's oh, fine. I get it. Fair. The main character. So, but um, yeah, no, I. I think it would have been cool if both of them did it. Like if they mm -hmm. kind of like how they did in the waterbending scroll with the boat, how they were working together to make sure that the boat wouldn't go over the waterfall. Like, I think that would have been cool if they had somehow like parted the wave or whatever. Um, but uh, I do love the moment where they do get sucked under the water and they have kind of an almost exact recreation of Aang and Appa in the, in the glacier. When that um, happened, I said out loud, I swear to God, if he puts all of them into an iceberg for another second time, because the avatar power comes. <laughs> and it's like Cora discovers that she's like, who are you? Yeah. The series just ends there. We just go to Legend of Cora. The kids in the iceberg is the first episode. Kids in the iceberg. Yep. Oh, goodness. Yeah, no, but that's not enough happening, thank goodness. But it is still yeah. a cool like callback visually. Um, and uh, I will say this. So this, since we've been talking about positives, I do have one negative for this episode, which keeps mm -hmm. it from being like top, you know, top level a for me. S tier. Yes, S tier. Um, <laughs> the next episode we're going to discuss is S tier. Um, but uh, I think that the... Trying to see how I can say this. So the whole like how they get to this point in the episode of like this whole storm theme of you know Zuko and Iroh and their crew are sailing through the storm and then you know Aang runs off because a fisherman makes him super upset and you know he's telling this story during uh the storm to Katara and Sokka's out with the fisherman they have to go save him. I don't know if it's just because I don't really care for the fisherman character but I feel like they could have reworked the framing a little bit. Like you can still have it happen during a storm. I think that that's important because it's just kind of showing how tumultuous their feelings are like Aang and Zuko and their mm -hmm. past and all that. But I don't know. I feel like they could have somehow worked around 
the whole fisherman subplot that's happening and had it just be that, you know, maybe they're in, in town one day and, you know, somebody recognizes very similar to how it happens in the episode. Someone recognizes Aang and gets mad at him and he just kind of takes off, you know, angrily and maybe, you know, they're flying like Aang, Katara and Sokka are flying together and he's like trying to explain to them like his backstory and all that. And as it's happening, the storm is approaching. Like they don't even notice it because they're talking to him. Um, and, you know, as he gets deeper and deeper into his backstory, the storm is kind of surrounding them. And then they get stuck in it just like Zuko is. Like, I think that would have been, and they could still have the big action scene of trying to get out of the storm and being, you know, under the water and all that. But it cuts out this really not needed subplot about this fisherman and his wife and all that. Um, and it really just keeps it focused, laser focused on Aang and Sokka, or not Aang and Sokka, Aang and Zuko's backstory. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, that that's really the only thing that keeps this from being like a 10 out of 10 is just that one little nitpick of mine. But um, that being said, I do love the line <laughs> when Sokka and the fishermen are out in the storm and Sokka says, I'm too young to die. And the fisherman says, um, I'm not, but I don't want to. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Very funny line. That's totally going to be me as an adult. <laughs> not as an adult, as an old person. There we go. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, so that's that's really the only problem I have with the episode. Other than that, I think it's it's wonderful. I think that, you know, delving into these two characters' backstories way in depth and kind of paralleling them, um, both bright-eyed youths that get you know, that make a bad decision. And then ultimately that changes the course of their life. It's so well done. Um, I love the ending with, you know, like I said, the exchanging the glances, it kind of leads into mm -hmm. the next episode. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> you smart, you know what it's Which about. Which we will get into next time. Yes. So I think overall I would give this episode, I'll give it a nine out of 10. I think it's a very good episode. Um, and uh so so i really really enjoyed the episode a lot I, I i really really did um i liked you know the the in-depth of their backstories and i liked the emotions uh at play um i would give a i would agree with a 9.10 and 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 concurring on all the points there um yeah yeah really That's... really good yeah can't wait to talk about the next one <laughs> Oh, and we will, and we will next time, because we will be back yeah. with another episode. That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating, and all that good stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah, and please follow our Instagram at Millwood and Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.